Yeah, you could be the greatest, you can be the best You can be the King Kong banging on your chest You can beat the world, you can win the war You can talk to God, go banging on his door You can throw your hands up, you can beat the clock You can move a mountain, you can break rocks Some will call it practice, some will call it luck But either way, you're going through the history books Welcome everybody to the latest edition of the Inside Track. Uh, this week got an amazing guest, Mel Tempest. So uh, welcome aboard, Mel. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Absolute pleasure. So, uh, so, so, so let's crack on. I mean, obviously you, you're, you're down under. Um, obviously um, a, a long way away from from what we've got here in in, in the UK. And uh, you, you're not long opened up. But before we get to that, uh, I'm sure everybody knows who you are, Mel. But uh, let, let's have just a, a quick intro to who you are. Why why we should know you? What what were you all about? Uh, I am a club owner in Ballarat, in Victoria, in Australia. And uh, I do lots of different things. You know, I love to speak and I do podcasting like yourself and helping club owners out. I don't see myself as a superstar. I just see myself as somebody who's very passionate about what they love doing. Brilliant. Well, well, we, well we definitely know that. I mean, anybody who's anybody uh, um, should, should have you on, on LinkedIn. So if people haven't already, uh, they, they should follow you and, and see what you're up to because you do some amazing stuff with uh, with the Fit Summits and and going around the world doing the stuff that you do. So that's that, that's pretty amazing. Uh, we'll come on to your club towards the end because it's it's been going about 18 years, hasn't it? So uh, so we'd, I'd love to hear a, a lot more a lot more about that because it's got a great reputation down there. But I think probably the main thing in the minute, the minute was uh, on most people's minds is obviously the reaction to, to, to COVID. And it, um, it seems that you guys have only just opened up in Oz. Uh, how's, how's it been out there? How's, how's, the, how's, how's the challenges? So here in Victoria, last Friday, which was just a few days ago, uh, we were allowed to open to 150 people in our venue, which is absolutely fantastic. Before that, we were allowed 30 people per venue and they they had to all be double vaccinated. And before that, we were allowed 10 people per venue. So imagine a 1,500-square-metre club like ours and we're only allowed to have 10 people in it. I mean, was it even worth opening up? I know that sounds a strange, strange question, but for 10 people? Uh, You know, Ryan, for a lot of people, no, it wasn't worthwhile opening up. Uh, We are the landlords of our business, so we're very fortunate that we own our freehold. So we were able to open up. We don't have a landlord. And some of the things that we were able to do, besides having people in the club working out, we were able to offer outdoor classes when we had 10 people, 30 people. So we kept our business functioning, doing the outdoor stuff, the 10 people inside, but at the same time also offering online classes as well. And it's, did, did you find that a difficult pivot, you know, move, moving the, the, the business online and, and doing that? I know a lot of clubs did it, did it very successfully. Was, was that something that just happened? It was, it was quite an easy, easy move for you guys? Uh, It happened very, very quickly. You know, we were told on the Monday that we were closing back in lockdown one nearly 20 months ago. And I jumped on stage to record the class, to upload to Facebook for the members. And I just went, this is just not going to work. Got off the stage, hit delete and just said, we're going Facebook Live. And that's just the way it's going to be. Good, bad, however it is. We're going Facebook Live. And so we've actually collated nearly a thousand classes over wow. the last 20 month. Yeah, over the last 20 month period. And 
you know, some days were great, some days were bad. You know, in the first couple of lockdowns, as many club owners will tell you, it was a bit of a novelty to get on and, and participate in the, an online class. But the more lockdowns that we had, you know, the members started to roll over in bed, they didn't want to get up. And so we sort of started to see less and less people uh, coming to the classes. And then it picked up again. So a bit of a roller coaster ride, but you just have to be there every day and be there for them. And, and uh, were you teaching quite a lot of them still, Mel? Were you, were you still getting involved in all of those? I'd have to say that I taught probably 90% of those. Oh, <laughs> oh bless you. It's, uh, the, thing, the thing with the uh, with the online as well is that a lot of people weren't used to it. I mean, most of them used to standing up in front of 100 people. It didn't, didn't really bother them. And suddenly you put a camera in front of someone and it's a different environment altogether. So, uh, so they've got to learn. I mean, even just coming on Zoom and, do, and, and doing that sort of thing is a big move. So to suddenly put someone open, to, to the masses uh, on, on, on camera, I can imagine it's quite a, uh, quite a daunting experience. First, first off, I mean, maybe not for you who's, uh, who's been in front of the camera, been in front of a lot of people uh, for quite a while, but I can imagine some of your instructors found that quite difficult. Oh, look, absolutely. You know, when we were doing them on our main Facebook page, the whole community of Ballarat, which is about 120,000 people, so the whole community were able to jump on and do the classes. But as it became evident that, COVID wasn't going to end at lockdown one, we still had lockdown two and three, we had to create a closed group in order to get our instructors involved. Though we're passionate about what we do, a lot of group fitness instructors and personal trainers become their worst critic. And so therefore, they didn't want to get up on stage and they didn't want to perform to the whole community. They just wanted to teach classes to their own community and their own network. So we found that a really big challenge um, to get them up on stage and to teach to a camera. Yeah, okay. okay. I mean, it's, it's not easy going on, going, going on camera. Is there anything else that came out of this whole whole experience? I mean, obviously, you guys are still, we, we've been out of it since April over here, so we're so obviously the, the, the business has moved on and it's started to, started to grow. Is there anything that's come out of it that's, uh, that, that potentially made your club stronger? Oh, well, definitely community. Definitely community. I mean, we're a very strong community uh, you know, cultured, uh, positive club, mental health, the whole the whole bit. If anything, our community became even more deeper, uh, right. showed more empathy towards each other. A lot of members got to know each other online, created friendships. The staff were very close to start with, and we have a team of 20, but even that became a stronger bond, you know, yeah. because what people need to understand it wasn't just the consumer that was going through COVID, it was also our team that was going through COVID. So we had to think about their mental health, uh, how they were uh, feeling on a day-to-day basis. So everybody was looking out for each other and people got to know each other very, very well. Did you guys have a similar similar thing to us as uh, in terms of like furlough? Were, were staff able to take time off or was it literally you guys had to cover wages and, um, and, and be done with it? Uh, so our government uh, assisted with, um, so, you know, like I would employ, I would keep Ryan on for six weeks and then, you know, our government would reimburse me for having Ryan there. Okay. But there, there were rules to getting that. It wasn't just a case of here, throw the money at us. We had to follow a system that had been put in place by um, government. And then the longer the lockdowns were, like four, five, six and seven, 
those uh, rules started to change a little bit. So a lot of clubs had to put their staff off and their staff moved on and got employment elsewhere. Uh, we were able to keep a small group of our staff on JobKeepers, even though the club was closed. We still got those staff in on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, whether it was cleaning the club, bringing members. We still kept them actively involved in the club in a, a business sense. Uh, but, yeah, quite a lot of clubs had to just pretty much just put their staff off and those people went on to find employment elsewhere. Yeah, well, that's what we're finding over here now, Mal, is uh, trying to find personal trainers and stuff like that where, you know what I mean, at the time it was insecure, especially the freelance personal trainers. The guys that were paying rent and whatever they found, they can train in parks. They can, they, you know, what I mean, they can pay as you go to train places, and they've just not gone back to the clubs. And it's uh, it's it's made it very difficult when they, when the clubs have opened to try and then up up um, up the ante a little bit to uh, to get things moving again. So um, and then you can't blame these people. They go they're going to where the, the jobs are secure, aren't they? Um, well, of course you can. I mean. We all know in the fitness industry, if you don't own the club, if you don't own the club, your position within the club, it's never a promised position, irrespective of whether you're a casual person or you're a full-timer. No, nothing is a certainty and COVID proved that. I mean, many trainers went off and set up their own Zoom businesses online. Some had complete uh, career Overhaul changes are moved into different industries altogether. So recruitment globally is a very big issue at the moment, irrespective of where you live in the world. And I think that one of the most important things that we can do as professionals is to start throwing out positive campaigns about how great it is to work in our industry and start re-recruiting that way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've worked in a few few places where Few, few different uh, big companies, including sort of Marriott hotels and stuff. I mean, hotels are really struggling, sort of hospitality across the board. But our industry, there, there is nothing that beats it. That's that, that's what I love about it. It's just every, everything from uh, proper management of a, of a business, proper sales, you, you know what I mean, from people management. And then you've got all the exciting stuff of dealing with the customers, delivering the classes, delivering the PT, seeing great results. There is nothing better than our industry. And it's, it's people need to understand that when they're looking at a career, uh, and, and there is ways of making really good money as well. I mean, it's um, yes, there are the standard jobs that you can go in and just just earn, earn, earn the standard and whatever. But if you really want to commit to this industry, there's, there's ways of earning earning great money as well. It's um, I, I love our industry for it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, let's face it: the fitness industry is a is an industry of opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely, and and so many different fields in it as well. That that's the great thing. You can come in as a as a gym instructor or a cleaner, receptionist, end up a manager, end up an owner, um, go on and travel the world like like you do doing presentation. You know what I mean? There's so many different diff different things. I mean, the amount of people I've worked with over the years um, that are now flying around the world teaching classes. You know, international instructors going going to the fit summits, going to Earth. You know all these different things, and it's uh, it's amazing to watch it, watch watch them do. So uh, so yeah. So in terms of moving on, Mel, where where do you, where do you see our industry going in the sort of 12, 18 months? Are you are you positive about it? Are you, do, do you see some good vibes coming forward? Oh, absolutely positive about it. Definitely. Where I what I see happening in my own country is I see a lot of new franchises coming to Australia that are uh, that have been founded in the UK, USA, and also in Asia. You're going to see a lot of boutiques pop up, 
And so you're going to see a lot of those people who did work for us, trainers and group fitness instructors, probably go out and have a bit of a go themselves at setting up their own business. That's a definite possibility. Technology is going to play a massive role. And, you know, we hear a lot about you've got to adapt, you've just got to get on board, and I totally agree with that. In order for technology to be successful in your business, you have to understand your community and your culture. If you don't understand your demographic in your club, technology is not going to be successful. And so it's going to play a really big vital role in the success of all clubs right throughout. But, yeah, most definitely boutiques are going to be very, very popular. And like I said, you know, COVID taught people who were employed by others that they can't guarantee on somebody else to pay them an income. They can't rely on other people. So therefore what's happening is these guys are now going out and creating their own businesses. And these are going to be the people that set up boutiques and standalones. And they're going to be the people that actually become the competitor of the larger box clubs. Is, is, is the boutique market not quite made because I mean it's huge over here now. That that's been the biggest growth in that sort of I would say five five years. The smaller, I, I, I don't know, thousand to three and a half thousand square foot square foot clubs, and they're, they're, they're just that that's where the the serious growth is. It always seems to be in in this country at the moment. Is it not really yeah, in the? It, it is happening here, Ryan. I mean, prior to COVID. Your boutiques were F45, were body fit, uh, and then through COVID, what's happened is, you know, people like myself have gone to franchisors in Asia and the USA and said, bring your product to Australia because we don't have anything like that here. And so what you've seen is you've seen boutiques now starting to pop up that, have come, that come from the UK and come from the USA and Asia, and they're going to be the ones that are going to explode the growth here. You look at Aussie-born boutiques like Infinite Cycle. Now, that's a brand that's going to grow here fairly fast. That's a cycle boutique. Yeah. But they're also moving into wellness and into uh, the hit component as well. So that's going to be an Aussie brand that grows quickly here. But then you look at Asia and you see what's coming across. You know, you've got fire fitness. And then you look at the USA and you look at some of the boutiques coming from um, the USA across here. So we've got Rumble coming uh, as well. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of movement in the Australian uh, fitness industry landscape. It's exciting. I mean, I, I remember years ago when we worked for Fitness First and everything that come to the UK at the time in terms of from our sales techniques to the way we ran our clubs, it was all Australia. I'll show you Australia. Because there were so, I mean, there were, Slightly different clubs. I think they've taken over help tracks over there. So they were, they were really big, big clubs with swimming pools and everything else, which we weren't used to as a, as a fitness first up here. We were little clubs with, with just gyms. But uh, it was the, the way the way the Australians did fitness was, was so much more exciting because it was very aggressive, very, very much sales like get them in the club. Rack and stack them. Let's let, yep. let's do, let's do yep. this. And so I can imagine there's still huge growth to have over there. You guys are so into your sport, so into fitness, um, and it seems the whole population. Whereas here it's like a small little fifteen percent over there. All you guys seem to be on the beaches. Fit. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's a, a case. I'm sure it's not a case. But that that's how it seems. It seems a different lifestyle where fitness is really ingrained in what in what you guys do. So, so I can imagine there's still potential huge growth over there for, for a lot of clubs. Oh, um, absolutely. Absolutely. 
So in terms of in terms of like 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 me, you do sort of the business advisor uh, role with with a lot of clubs. Not only just owning your own, obviously you're going out and helping other 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 clubs be successful as well. What would you say is the uh, the biggest bit of advice you would uh, you would say to someone who's looking to to jump into the industry and start their uh, start their own business or boutique? Um, first of all, you need to think like a consumer and run your business like a consumer. Though it's your business and you own it, please don't run it the way that you want to run it. Run it Absolutely. the way, run it the way that the consumer demands. That's my my first piece of advice. My business model, uh, when I opened my club, changed overnight, just like that. And it changed overnight based on the people who were walking through my door in the first three to five days and buying memberships. What right. I thought our community needed was completely the opposite to what walked through the door. So that business model changed straight away. Understand the demographic, understand the people who are coming into your club, the age group, the sex, understand all of that before you even fit your club out or even put programming in. Remember, though you're opening a club because you're passionate about what you do, your club needs to be about the consumer, not about what Mel wants or what Ryan wants. It has to be about what the consumer wants and what the consumer needs. It's amazing how how many clubs don't do that though, Mal, isn't it? You you go and you go and speak to a new customer. It's not it's not really working, and then you drill down into uh, into, into what they want and what the what their consumer is. And you go, this, this really doesn't match, guys. You've opened this whatever type of club, but your demographics is X. Yeah. Sort of going, well, uh, and you sort of going, guys, you need to do that research ahead of time. It's, it's the same as what I say to anyone who's looking to go into a franchise. There are so many different franchises around. Make sure you do your, do your due diligence. Not all of them are the same. Not all of them are as good. Not all of them have the same offering. Um, and secondly, they, they don't all meet, meet demographics. It's, uh, it's, it's always saying we're the biggest franchise group in, in the world. But it still doesn't mean you're going to match the, the demographics of where, where, where you are in the, in, in the country or the world. So uh, you, you're, you're right. It's very important. And, and just in terms of sorting your member journeys out, if you're, if you're trying to create your own club, you're an independent club and trying to create your own, if you don't know your demographics, how then do you channel people through your club in the right way to spend the money you want them to spend? It's, uh, it's, it is amazing how many people don't do that. Yeah, I mean, I mean how can you market if you don't know who your demographic is you know why put up a social media picture of a and b but when i go walk the gym floor i can come back to you and go hey ryan this is a really cool social media uh piece that you put up but that's actually not your demographic. These people don't even go to your club. And many club owners make that mistake. And it's really interesting when you say to a club owner, when was the last time that you walked your gym floor early morning, mid-morning, late afternoon and night time? And you'll hear them say, you'll hear them say, well, I'm at the club, you know, 9 o'clock to 2 o'clock and then so-and-so's here and I come back the next day. Well, that's great that you can do that, but you know what? You're actually missing a big gap there during the day where you don't even know who's coming to your club. Exactly. Great business decisions. And not just that, it's, it's amazing how if you're an independent gym operator, how many people want to see the owner? So you yeah. can have a manager in there, you can have amazing staff, but people still want to see the owner. I mean, I've worked in, in many clubs and I've worked with other clubs and the, the amount of times the manager is sat in the back office or the owner sat in the back office never engages with their, with, with their clients. And, and whilst 
I sort of understand that it's an investment and uh, they, they wanted to, and that's why they've hired a manager and everything else. Ultimately, as a client and a customer, you still want to engage with the person who owns that business. Um, and I mean, even I, I come in work for for, uh, for Marriott, and I remember when we used to have the senior members of the staff come out from America and so on, and they used to engage with the customers. And you just think, well, if they're willing to do it at their level, board level, and so on, it's it's up to everybody else in the business to engage. There, there is no nobody is bigger than a customer. It's it's. it's, hey, it's, it's, it's a I don't even have an office. So do not. I don't have an office at the club at all, so you will find me on reception with the rest of my team. No office at all. And how did the team like that? Did the team engage with that? The fact that the boss yeah, is no, all the time. That, look, we have a great time on reception. Uh, we know that uh, you know. At the end of the day, my club runs flatline management, right? So flatline management is everybody is equal, nobody is better, irrespective of what education you have and what diploma you have on the wall, flatline management. Um, and so we all treat each other equal, you know, and we have good days and bad days where we, you know, annoy each other, but we get on with the job. We don't, you know, hold a grudge or anything like that. We have no time for that. So, you yeah, know, I hang out on reception. Yeah, <laughs> What's your, I can imagine your staff retention is really high if you're working on those, those, those sorts of management styles. Mal, I can imagine your staff have been with you a long while. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, some of my staff have been with me for 12 or 13 years. Wow. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's, you know, instructors, reception staff, uh, seven years, six years. So, yeah, I mean, we have a couple of spots. So we've got a team of 18 at the moment. So you would say out of that 18, there's probably three that rotate. So the lifespan is probably two, two and a half years. Yeah. But I always I always say to my, my team, when a new team member starts, please don't stay here forever. <coughs> I want you to use the place as a starting point. This is your foundation. Get your education, learn, network, collaborate, do all that stuff, but please don't stay here forever. And have you got a few staff that have gone on to do amazing stuff that you look back and go, oh, I'm really, really proud that they're, they're, they're off doing oh, Absolutely. I had a team member who had been with me for 12 years and I he was a personal trainer and he'd done a, a couple of reception shifts and a couple of classes and I kept saying to him, you can't stay here forever. You've got to move on. You've got to move on. And he came to me and he said, I'm going to try for the fire brigade. And I said, go for it, go for it. And on the third go he got in. And he said, had I not been there on his backside, annoying him and annoying him, he probably would have quit the first time he got a big no. But wow. he kept going and kept going. And now now he's in the fire brigade. And that's what I want for them because, you know, the world is bigger than the community that you live in. Absolutely. But you see that's a starting point, you know. And club owners need to get over you know, oh, they can't do this and they can't do that, they work for me. It's a privilege that they work for you, but at the same time you need to be a mentor to them and give them the tools and resources so that they grow to become better professionals so that they can fill your shoes when you retire. I mean, I, I, the, the one thing that always gets me about our industry is a lot of ego in our industry, which because of, because of who we attract and we attract obviously very gregarious people, people who want to be on show, want to perform. And what bring what obviously comes with that is the arrogance, 
on the, on the side as well. And I think it's, it's really refreshing to, to speak to people who have that view, who want to see others grow, because quite often you, you, you see it's very much about competition, it's very much about me, I, I need to deliver, I need to perform, and they don't always see the, the, the team around them. And it's usually it's those team members and those people that make that person the person they is, not 90% of the time. Yes, they deliver a lot, a lot of themselves, but it's the team that help them grow. And they, they sometimes fail, fail to realise that. So by growing their teams, they get bigger, but their teams get bigger yeah. as, as well. It's, it's so much about the team. I, I always think it is. And the other thing is too, Ryan, step outside the club. People like ourselves who consult and coach to, to other clubs, you know, we all know that fitness business uh, coaches feel that they need to compete with other fitness business coaches and speakers. It's it's the same thing. And what we need to understand is that we have a responsibility to our industry to be educating people and to collaborate more. We each have skills that other coaches and consultants don't have. So if there's something that I'm weak at, I'm not going to pretend to apply it that I'm amazing at it. I would rather go, you know what? That is not my niche, but hey, I'm going to send you on that line. Line is really great at that. So by doing that, what you're doing is you're helping that client stick through more, as opposed to doing the wrong thing and just giving them half-ass advice when they could be getting some really good advice where their bottom line is going to profit more. Oh, ab absolutely. And then, well, I think what sometimes what people fail to realise is by doing that, you actually enhance your own reputation. Because yeah. what you're trying to say is, I'm not the all singing or dancing of every single element of the fitness industry. Yes, I've been successful there. I've been successful there. But I'm not. That, that, that person in every single thing. So I'm going to pass you to X because they, they they will be able to deliver. Um, and yes, it, it enhances. It's the same, same argument when you do membership sales, isn't it? You have somebody come in and they're, they're talking about a certain desire that they need in their club and you simply can't do that. There is nothing wrong with saying, well, we can't do that. But if you go to yep. Joe's gym down the road, they've got the perfect club. You really enjoy it. Now that person's not joining you, but then again, their mum might, their sister might, their brother might, and the rest of their family might, because that's more suitable. So you actually come out of it with a better reputation, being uh, being respectful of your competition rather than fighting them all the time. Uh, and I, I, I think that's a really big thing. Uh, and I don't think, I think there's a lot of space for, I mean, just take the UK industry for starters. We've got 15% of our population are members of gyms. Yet we all wow. fight over the 15%. And, and it's, it's bonkers. You've got 85% of the population who are not a member of club. Now, don't get me wrong. They might be running. They might be playing sports or whatever. But they're still not in gyms. And that's a huge number of people. What? 40, 50 million people still that aren't members of clubs. And yet we fight over the 15%. It, it, it yeah. just it's crazy to me. If we got together and actually had proper campaigns and, and whatever our industry would do, everybody would have more. So, uh, so yes, no, I fully agree with that. Now, there was one thing I wanted to ask you about because you um, obviously do a lot of podcasting. You do do this uh, women's leadership business podcast as well. So, so obviously, uh, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, obviously, your your feeling to, or desire to want to influence other other women in business? How did, how did that come about? How's that going? Um, so pretty much, you know, uh, when I shifted from, though I still own a club and a club owner, but when I shifted into this space of consulting and speaking, I found it very male-dominated and that you did have to be part of the uh, old school network in order yeah. to get anywhere. And I was consistently hearing 
uh, and I'm a very vocal person, but I was consistently hearing from people who perhaps aren't as vocal uh, that they couldn't get a go at, you know, speaking or educating uh, others. And there was all of these stories around there and they felt inferior, uh, even if they were working in clubs. And so my goal was to go out there and just to seek out people that could give other fitness professionals advice on uh, educating, leadership, things like helping women with their superannuation, helping women uh, with money, understanding the legal battles and, and legal things that they should have in place to protect themselves. And so that's what that's what sort of instigated the Women's Leaders Podcast. And we've also ran uh, a live event and we've also ran a virtual event because of COVID. And there is a desperate need in our industry for more education for women. Uh, and we need more women to collaborate together because the biggest fear that women have in the industry to move forward is probably other women. Oh, okay. So it's a case of saying to a female, you're really good at that and I want to help you get to a better space where other people can learn from your skill. But at the same time, Ryan, we need men to go, you know what, you're really good at that. I'm going to help you get notes more efficient or I can open doors for you. And what we need is women and men to stop fearing the gift that other people have and just to grab them by the hand and to help expose those gifts so that other people can grow their businesses. It's absolutely true, though. I mean, it's uh, I've I've always held the belief that uh, women are naturally better salespeople than uh, than, than men. They, they they just are now. Uh, there's, there's a certain empathy women can have with each other. There's a certain, and I, I've just found in 25 years of uh, doing what I do, I've always. I mean, there are some superstar men that sell, obviously, but as a general rule, there's women. But I think as a, as a whole, we need to look at each other's skill sets and go, okay regardless of men, women, whatever sex you are, and just go, okay, that's the skill set, that's the right person, that, that, that's what, it, what we want to do. I mean, things are changing. Uh, they, they are change, changing across across the board, and I think there's more opportunities. But even if you look now, this, a lot of the senior roles are still held by men, and, and, and I think it's wrong when, when there's so many talented uh, women in our industry, you, you just have a look look around. I mean, obviously, obviously, yourself as a, as a starter, but there are so many uh, ta talented, talented, well, talented people. But there are definitely, there's definitely an imbalance, I think, in the moment. And yeah. I think what that does is it brings the wrong tone to it as well. I think it, the more women you have in it, it brings it brings a certain tone to to the industry uh, that, that that we need, and, and that's the sort of change we want uh, across the board. So, well, well done you for for doing that. Is it is it mainly? Um, in, in the in Australia that you're doing that, or is it or that, or is that gone quite worldwide? Do you, you, you project uh, it's global. It's the, so the podcast. I've got two podcasts, as you know, the women's podcast and the gym owners podcast. And now that we've got through COVID, Ryan, I'll be spending a lot more time in 2022 growing both those podcasts. And I'd love to have you on the show, of course. Oh, absolutely. Well, we'll put them at the end as well. We'll put the details at the end of the uh, of, of this podcast so people can jump on jump on and listen because they are, oh, absolutely. They are well, well worth jumping on and having a listen. Definitely. Definitely. And if anybody wants to be on the podcast, please email me. I'd love to have everybody on there because, you know, we're here to educate, we're here to collaborate, we're here to grow our industry. So that, as I said earlier on, so that when we do retire, and we will one day, that we can feel confident in those filling our shoes. 
Exactly, exactly. And we need that, that future coming forward, don't we? So, there's, so it's exciting yeah. thing, and, things, and things keep changing. So so in terms of projects, Mal, obviously you, you, you're going to pump a lot, a lot more time into the podcast. What, what are the projects you've got in a minute? Because I know you're a very busy lady. Um, so next year we're so excited here in Australia. So next year we're going to be having our first live fitness business event and trade show, Ryan. Now, oh, this wow. is super exciting for us because we've had nothing for like, by the time we get to this show, it's going to be two years. So the fitness and wellness show is um, launching in March in Sydney. And it's a it's a it's an event that is totally focused on fitness business professionals. It's going to have an amazing trade show. So I'm working alongside the amazing Sean Prince. We're going to make sure that we've got the best exhibitors and the best uh, speakers, fresh, exciting, new. So that's what we're working on at the moment. And because flights have open here in Australia, I'm hoping that you guys in the UK and everybody in the US and in Asia will be booking flights to get across the fitness and wellness show. That's the first thing. The second thing is I'm working closely with Intel Video at the moment. So we're building uh, a new platform. And for those that don't know who Intel Video is, if you're a club owner, I definitely want you to Google and have a look because this is a platform that can offer you uh, secondary income. If you, I'm not sure how it works in the UK, but here in Australia, we're only allowed to have vaccinated people come to our team. So this is a platform that will be great for me to derive an income from my non-vaccinated members. So have a look at Intel video. Uh, Life Fitness, you have to look at Life Fitness. They've got so many new products coming on board at the moment. Uh, the FitBench they're launching here, they've got a great new treadmill if you're an athletic person. So uh, have a look at that. Uh, who else? Oh. Active Exchange, if you're a club owner and you want to understand who your demographic is and how to target them and when they're going to leave, you've got to look at Active Exchange. To be quite honest, uh, if you're a club owner and you really want to know the nuts and bolts of your business and what's going on with your members, you have to be brave and you have to get them in to have a look at your database. So definitely look at Active Exchange. What what, what did they do? Just this mouth, well, how, how does Active Exchange work? Do they dive into what you've already got and, uh, and give yeah, you Yeah, they bit, dive bit. into your data, Ryan, and they dissect it, and you hear stuff that you don't want to hear. So oh, imagine nice. being told that you've got 50 members that are probably going to leave your club in about three or four weeks' time. So it helps you target those people to try and retain them. But the other great thing about Active Exchange is, too, if you're someone that's going to be opening up or you want to open up a new club, but you're not quite sure where in your town, Active Exchange, and they did this for me because I was looking at opening up a second club. They can actually come in, have a look at the area that you want to open the club. They can tell you what street, where you've got to open it, the age group, the people that are going to join, what equipment you should put in that club, what you should be charging as a membership, and how long it's going to take you to get X amount of members. Wow. So, yeah, I know. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Um, have a look at PH360. Everybody write that down, PH360. Again, a great new cooking app for clubs to be driving at and also have a look at Coach Wally. So I've given your audience some uh, pretty cool suppliers to have a look at, but probably the most important thing is book a ticket and get across to the Fitness and Wellness Show 
because all those guys are going to be at the Fitness and Wellness Show. That sounds a super exciting year you've got next year, Mel. I, just for starters, you'll be open, so that that that'll be exciting. Yes. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. I've seen, I've seen, I was, I was following all your, all your posts as you, you were locked down. Slightly different in the UK. Um, I mean, you guys get locked down with about five cases in Australia. We have fifty thousand yes. a day, and no, no, no one seems to bat an eyelid. It's, uh, it's, it's a different, completely different mindset over here. You don't need to be vaccinated to go into clubs. Um, oh, wow. Interesting debate, actually. I was having because my brother owns a, a, a club and. Um, it's an interesting debate as what to do because he owns a um, a kickboxing club, so uh, so they they, they do um, obviously jujitsu and stuff like that. So very close contact stuff, and it was what what to do if a um, if someone gets pinged and uh, and, and they they're positive, how long do you isolate? And it, because there's no real rules around it, obviously that individual should wow. isolate. But what about all the people that were training with them? Do do you have to do you keep them isolated? Do you um, and, and it's really down to, down to the club owner at the minute rather than any any set of rules, which is, I don't know, it's, it's a difficult one. That you, you're sort of telling people they can't train when they're not positive, but you, you sort of are you protecting your business. So it's quite an interesting debate over here at the minute, and I think it'll get a little bit more serious as we go into winter and, and a lot more people start. Well, I'm not sure how many more you can get than 50,000 a day, but, uh, but yeah, it's... Wow. It's a bit too... And your gyms are open with 50,000 cases a day. Yeah. So, That's I mean, it's 50,000 cases a day and about 150 deaths a day. Um, they're, they're, they're the stats. And uh, they, they reckon, I think it's about 80% of the population are um, vaccinated. Uh, so, you know, double vax. So most of this has been done. But it's um, even, even so, it's uh, it, you're looking at it, so go, why did we have a lockdown last year? if we're able to cope with 50,000 cases a day. Mm. But, uh, yeah, very, very, very different scenario to, to you guys. We would shut the whole country down if we had 50,000 cases a day. I mean, as you know, they've only just opened up international flights after 20 months uh, here in Australia. And, you know, my club was shut down and there weren't even any cases in our community. So, you know, 25, 30 cases in Victoria and the whole place went into lockdown. You have to be vaccinated to go to a gym. Um, you have to QR code when you go to a gym, QR code when you go to a cafe, to a retail shop. Wow. You cannot go into any business of any sort without QR coding. Yeah, slight, slight, slight. Well, I don't I don't know what to say about the policies. It's, uh, it's, it's, it'd be nice if it was the same across the world, wouldn't it? But uh, but, but, again, but I guess not. <laughs> um, so just 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 to finish off, Malcolm, you've been an amazing guest. What what would you say is probably the, the the biggest things we could we we could take away as as a business owner? Obviously, we looked at demographics. What would you say is the the, the biggest thing we could take away um, to, to to finish on? I think the biggest thing that you can take away from COVID is that it's in the past. Put your big girly pants on and move forward and don't dwell on it because what you lost is gone, kaput and finished, and you're never going to get it back. So just forget about it and move forward and, and listen to others and learn from others and don't be afraid to change the landscape of your business because what was fantastic and worked in 2019 is not going to work in 2022 moving forward. So adapt, be brave, and put those big girly pants on. 
Brilliant advice. I, lo I love it, Mel. Well, I really appreciate your time today. It's uh, it's, it's great great to have you on. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll catch up more. What we'll do, we'll uh, we'll obviously put your um, put your details at the end of the podcast. If anybody wants to jump onto your podcast and listen, I highly advise everybody to because they are amazing listens. Uh, and obviously, if anyone wants to get in touch, you're on LinkedIn and, uh, and the various other, other social platforms. So really appreciate your time. I know it's uh, obviously you said it's bank holiday there. So go and enjoy the rest of the evening uh, with, with your kids and really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, you can be the greatest. You can be the best. You can be the king Kong banging on your chest. You can beat the world. You can win the war. You can talk to God called banging on his door. You can throw your hands up, you can beat the clock You can move a mountain, you can break rocks Some will call it practice, some will call it luck But either way you're going through the history books